Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas, hosted by me, your Elevation Guide, Jenea Barnes. Hello, everybody. I'm here today with Carrie Williams. She is a coach and an author and a pretty awesome human being. And so, Carrie, why don't you tell the people a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. So I am an executive and leadership coach. I'm based here in Los Angeles, California, where I'm talking to you from. I am the owner and head coach of Rain Shadow Coaching. And we really work hard at helping people manifest their dreams. Um, so getting really clear on what their goals are, achieving those goals. I am an evidence-based coach, which means in the coaching world, I'm not particularly woo-woo. I'm pretty much, what can we measure? What can we prove? Are there studies that back that up? Where's the science? Um, I like to say I can give my clients a hug if that helps them work better, but it will be followed by a kick in the butt because that's what I'm there for. So I work with clients across the board and I work with a lot of clients in really high stress professions. And what I've been finding in the last few years is that I'm having to work on stress reduction with my clients before we can even comprehend, even think about thinking about the future and, and visualizing what they want to create. They're just trying to survive and they can't even think about thriving. And so in the last few years, I've spent a good portion of my work actually helping people reduce stress so that they can start to think about what makes them fulfilled and happy. Because when you're completely stressed out, that's all you're focusing on. And so I started doing workshops a, a few years ago now, and they have become more popular and no surprise in this pandemic, they're incredibly popular because even people who were great at coping with stress and didn't have a super stressful life, we have stressful lives now because there's so much beyond our control and we're having to do so many transitions and shifts at the same time, it can be overwhelming. So I'm excited to be here and talk to you about stress today. And I just wanna warn everyone who's listening to us, just listening to somebody talk about stress can make you feel stressed. So if you feel yourself getting tense, get up, shake it out, take a deep breath, walk around, get some water, come back to us, recognize that that is a natural ph phenomenon. You're not alone. It's not us that's stressing you out, it's just the topic. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, stress is stressful. It's, it is. Um, I mean, I had a really, I'm really, I've been even keel for a really long time. And, but I still, my stress for me personally was always very internal. It was, I have to be perfect and, oh my God, what are they going to think? And all of this stuff that really kept me wound up inside. But in mm -hmm. normal stressful situations that would stress people out, I'm cool as a cucumber usually. But today I had a doctor's appointment and I oh. had a client at two o'clock and I'm in, we're actually coast to coast right now. So I'm in New York, you're on the West coast. So time zone's going to be a little different, but for me, my client was at two. My doctor's appointment was at noon. I was like, sure. Regular checkup. They ask you a couple questions. They draw your blood. They take your blood pressure, you pee in a cup, you're out the door. 20 minutes max, right? Mm -hmm. um, no, they didn't even see me until 10 minutes to two. 
So oh, of no. course I had to reach out to my client, but I wanted to make the appointment and uh, you know, you feel that stress winding up, like, you know, and I did it, even though I'm usually calm and pretty cool, I had to remind myself, there's nothing I can do about this. I can't walk out of this doctor's appointment right now. I mean, I guess I could. And I was contemplating that maybe that would be what I'd have to do. But it was just a couple times I feel like my old patterns, being late was one of my big things that would really rile me up and stress me out. I would freak out. If I was 30 seconds late for something, I would flip out. But internally, <laughs> I would try to stay calm on the outside. But I felt some of those old patterns coming up and I'm just like, there's nothing you can do, Jenea. This is out of your control. And that's so much of what's going on right now with the pandemic and politics and this and that and all of it. And so I think everybody is fighting with this. Okay, I know I can't do anything about it, but I'm still feeling it all inside. Yeah, right. One of the first things we learn about stress management and stress coping is what is yours to stress about? What is yours to make? What can you impact? What can you affect? right? And practice letting go what you can't. There's so much in this world, particularly right now, we cannot control. And guess what? Stressing out about it isn't going to change it, right? It's only going to change our experience of it. It's only going to make us more miserable and more stress begets stress. So here's the interesting thing about stress. Stress is really a combination of two things. It is hormonal moderation, right? Because when you get stressed, the, the way stress works is you feel like you're threatened or there's a trigger, right? And your body floods itself with hormones, cortisol and other hor- adrenaline, because what you're doing is preparing to f- fight or flee. So it's, it's a physiological response in our bodies. Um, usually when that happens, your heart races, your blood will start pounding, your breath will get shallow and rapid. Maybe your palms get sweaty, your pupils will dilate. But once the threat's gone, you're supposed to go back to normal and your hormones are supposed to go back to calm. The problem is if you experience another trigger before you've gone back to calm, you haven't had time to recover (laughs) and you stay in that heightened mode of stress, right? And that's when stress starts to get bad because stress is not a bad thing. Stress is what protects us, stress is what motivates us, and stress is what helps us grow. It's chronic stress or uncontrollable stress where we feel um, out of control and overwhelmed. That's when stress is not a happy place to be. Absolutely. And it's interesting when you talk about the fight or flight response, if you watch animals, Mm -hmm. when they, like, for instance, an antelope or something and they're getting attacked by a cheetah and they all run away they run away they run away and then eventually they find safety and everything is calm and they're okay if you notice one of the things that they do after that you'll notice they'll they'll like shake it out because that's the rest it's the continuation of the fight and flight response it's like i like to think of a full cycle of a fight and flight response which is like a stressful moment 
is if a spider lands on you and you freak out, you're like, get it off you, right? You like that moment, that big stress, you get it off of you. It's, you know that you're safe. And then afterwards you still shake it out a little bit, but mm -hmm. we continue normally, a lot of us humans, we just hold that last part of it in. And then we're holding that energy, holding that emotion and keeping our body from completing the cycle so that all those hormones don't go back to normal. And then just as you said, we pile another stress on top of it right. and we're just holding it over and, and this builds up and it creates chronic conditions. It creates mm -hmm. health problems. It creates so many different problems. So we're doing either one of two things, right? We're not relaxing after the spider. We're starting to panic about when the next spider is going to happen. So we stay in a heightened sense of, sense of stress for something that we don't even know is going to happen. Or given the chaos of the world, another spider drops on us before we've recovered from the first one, right? And that happens a lot. Maybe somebody gets sick and then you lose your job and then you're running late and then you miss your mortgage, right? That's circumstantial stress where it's just doesn't seem to ever give you a break. But more often than not, there's that anticipatory stress that people are doing to themselves. And that's where the second part of stress reduction comes in because the first part's hormonal and the second part's emotional, right? It's regulating your emotions. It's catching yourself before you go into that stress and thought spiral or right after you go into it and stopping it <laughs> as quickly as possible because we elevate our stress when we obsess about it. Yeah. Absolutely. When we, one of the things I teach my clients with emotions in general mm -hmm. is to acknowledge them, to allow them, and then wait, acknowledge, accept them, allow them. And then afterwards, so emotions usually last for 90 seconds. It's how long the chemical response in the body for most emotions is. And after that, if the feeling has not dissipated and has not calmed down, you know that you're feeding it a story. So that's that thing, perpetuating yeah. the thought cycle. It's, I always call it feeding a story, feeding your, feeding the feeling a story. So when you're stressed mm -hmm. out and the moment is passed, the spider is off, you know that you're safe, but now you're feed, like, when is the next spider going to come? <laughs> or what you're, could I have done to have presented that spider? Right. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. And it's the story that keeps the chemical reactions moving and going in our body over and over, creating that stuff. And this is, you know, when I think about the work that I do, it creates and digs these neural pathways in our brain. So yes. it becomes habitual to mm -hmm. run that pathway, run that story. It's always going to be that same story. Oh, it's not a spider. It's an earwig. Same story, run, make that pathway deeper and deeper and deeper. And we've got to, if we want to have freedom and have relief from our stress, one of the most important things that we can do is change those neural pathways and create a shift in the way we think about and feed those stories. Yeah. 
Because I love the way you talk about feeding our stories, because really what it is, we think that our actions uh, influence our thoughts, right? So when we want to change something, we try and change a habit. But in actuality, it's our thoughts that influence our emotions, which influence our actions. So it's backwards. When we try and solve a problem, we're trying to solve it backwards. If you want to reduce your stress, it's not eliminating stress from your life. It's changing that initial trigger thought that goes through your brain, right? So say a crisis or something stressful happens and your immediate thought is, oh crap, I can't handle this. It's out of my control. I'm overwhelmed. Well, of course, that's going to make you feel stressed out. That's right. going to make you feel out of control. It's going to make you feel overwhelmed. And then when you feel those things, what's the action that you usually take? You either withdraw or you start scrambling, right? And that's how most people react to stress. They either withdraw or they panic and lean in and, and dive in. Yeah. So it's not just changing how you react to stress. It's really changing the thought process that you have for stress. How different would it be if when a stressful situation happened, you went, ooh, this is stressful, but you know what? I can get through this. I've gotten through stressful things in the past. I got this. What do you totally. feel? What do you feel then? Calm, confident. I mean, it's still stressful situations are not fun. We're not going to ever, well, sometimes I do actually go, woohoo, some stress. <laughs> because I look at it as a chance to practice these techniques. Right. But, but it's that first thought. And that is just ingrained habit. And the more you ingrain a habit, you do build neural, you build neural pathways in your brain. So we're asking you to shift thoughts, shift neural pathways. It is sometimes frustrating to do, but it is possible. Totally. I mean, what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they thought that the brain was fixed. Like, this is the way you are. This is the way you are forever. Mm -hmm. But it's not true. The brain is totally plastic. I mean, when you're young, it's definitely more moldable. It's definitely more plastic, as they say. Mm -hmm. But you can still shift this stuff. And, you know, you, we talk about the thoughts and the emotions. It's always about beliefs. And when we think about when we, a lot of our stresses are triggers from the past and some event, some emotional event happened from, for us and it caused us to make some sort of meaning out of the event. And when we make a meaning out of the event, we associate it to certain emotions that we might've felt during that time. And so when something similar comes up, like if we lost a job in the past and, or maybe we lost an opportunity at school, maybe we were real little and didn't have any stress coping mechanisms. And then we lose a job and it triggers that same feeling from when we were little mm -hmm. and that comes up then we're dealing with emotions from the past and thoughts from the past. So when we talk about reprogramming, rewiring our thought process, we've got to remember too that some of this stuff is old stuff. 
that's been happening since you were three, four years old. So I know sometimes people get frustrated with the process of shifting the neural pathway, shifting the change, but it can happen, but you get, you always want to give yourself some grace because we're going to work hard on shifting it. Absolutely. We're not going to just slack off, but you want to remember if it doesn't happen instantly, it's okay. You just keep going. We're, we're redoing patterns that sometimes you don't even know where they came from. Mm -hmm. And when they come from when you're little, you have so much less stress coping mechanisms than you do now. So that plays a role in how that trigger happens for you. Look, I like to say that we're really good at what we practice a lot we become a master at it, right? And as a nation, we're really good at being stressed out because we practice stress a lot. We even brag about it. We even, you know, at work, we talk about pulling all-nighters like it's a source of pride. So we talk about multitasking like it's a desired thing. And so, yeah, we, we have to start to shift that as well. I one a years ago, I went to a presentation from another coach and she was talking about stress and she had the greatest story. She said, I could feel stress in the pit of my stomach and she hated that feeling and she wanted to get rid of that feeling. And so she did everything she could to get rid of that feeling. And she did. She got rid of that stressful feeling in the pit of her stomach. And she says, what happened was I completely stopped growing. My business stopped growing. I stopped growing as a person, as an individual. I stopped getting better at things because what I realized is what I was thinking was stress was really me getting to the edge of my comfort zone and pushing it a little bit. And I didn't see the difference between that. And so when I thought I was getting rid of all the stress, I actually got rid of all the growth. And so it's just that little bit of reframe sometimes, recognizing that stress is not always bad. That feeling is not always associated with danger. Sometimes it's associated with good things, right? That's the stress that pushes us to study for the test and do well. It's a stress that pushes us to sit for a bar exam or to buy the house. Buying a house is so stressful. Um, <laughs> have you ever heard of Holmes Rahe? Okay, I don't so, think so I have a really, I might know about it, but I have a terrible name association. So I often know the concept and the thing and the name kind of, but okay. I have trouble putting, that's the way my brain works. <laughs> so Holmes and Reiki were two psychologists from back in the day, I think the 60s. And they wanted to study how our physical situations, our living situations impact our physical health. And it, he, they wanted to see if there was a correlation. Mm -hmm. So what they did is they studied and they found out that there are certain actions, activities, situations in life that just inherently involve stress. And they created a list of, I want to say there's like 40 or 50 things on this list, and they gave them all a point system. And so they started focusing on people and getting a Holmes Reiki number from them. So every action is associated with a point number. They're all different. Like in the last 12 months, if you lose a spouse, that's worth I want to say 50 points, right? In the last 12 months, if you went back to school, it's worth so many points. If you experienced an illness or a death in the family or loss of a job or shifting of a job or buying a new home, even Christmas is on there and even taking a vacation. 
which we were talking about before this call, taking vacations, because even though it's relaxing, it is stress because it's out of your normal routine. And you get this number. And then what they figured out is the number correlates with your likelihood of having a stress-induced illness or accident in the next two years. And so the higher your number is, the more likely you are to have an illness or an accident in the next two years brought on by stress. Um, the highest is 300 points plus, and that is the category where in your, when you're in that category, it's like an 80% chance you're gonna have a stress-induced illness or accident in the next two years. And here's the tricky thing. I give this, I give this uh, assessment as part of my workshop, and because of the pandemic, the majority of people are in the two highest categories now because of situations out of their control. Yeah. So we're all dealing with a ton of circumstantial stress. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I heard, and I don't know the source of this, but I think if it's you, if you have two of the three where it's like you have a major job change, a major move, and a major, I forget relationship. what the other one was. Probably relationship. Like a divorce or something like that. Um, if you have two of the three that you will register on some scales as bipolar and schizophrenic because the stress of it is so discombobulating. It's like such a shift that everything's just a little out of whack till you acclimate. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when you were talking, I was thinking about how we sit like learning to sit through stress that stress edge right mm -hmm. where it's a good thing and this is one of the things in meditation that i've noticed is as you sit eventually some uncomfortable feelings start to come up and as they start to bubble up if you just sit through them and don't feed it a story whatever you do do not feed it a story and just let it come through to the other side. You'll always get to the other side. It usually takes about 90 seconds, go figure, that time of the emotion. Um, but what it's really training you to do, it's training your nervous system that you're not gonna die. And so the more times you sit through an uncomfortable feeling or you ride your edge into stepping into something new that's a little uncomfortable, things become, it becomes easier to handle mm -hmm. a stressful situation. So, you know, everybody's been thrown into it because of the pandemic right now. And, you know, there is a lot of overwhelm for people. But as you sit in, you know, one way to do that to practice and to get your nervous system is just sit, sit with your eyes closed. Don't worry about what your brain's doing, just sit. And as that those feelings come up, every time you do that, you are a little tiny bit more able to deal with stress the next time. You're able to actually let more of the emotions run through you without feeding the stories. Yeah. That's a great tip and technique. And there's there's other tips and techniques that are really easy to incorporate that will start to help you cope with stress a little bit better. One of the things I teach all the time is a box breathing technique, which I love because it is the simplest technique in the world. 
You can do it in a room full of people and they won't know you're doing it. And it's simply, you breathe in for the count of four slowly, fill your lungs entirely, right? Then you hold your breath in for the count of four. Then you release for the count of four until your lungs are completely empty. And then you hold it empty for the count of four. And guess how many times you do that? Four times, right? <laughs> box breathing, four, like a box. And oh, just yeah. doing that will lower your heart rate, lower your blood pressure, right? Increase your oxygen levels. It just gives you a moment of a semblance of control because that's the scary part of stress. It feels like we can't control it. It feels like we can't impact it. And I completely understand because the reason I love talking about stress is in my late 20s, I had an experience with stress that rocked my world. Oh, you okay? <laughs> yes, I just put tea down my windpipe. <laughs> <coughs> See, for you. there you go. <laughs> there you go. So in my late 20s, I was going through a series of transitions that I felt out of control with. I just left a job for the first time in my adult life without my next job lined up. That I'd, I'd never done that before. I just lost 30 pounds, which is a great thing. But it also involves stress, right? Physical stress on your body. Um, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was working nights. So we weren't seeing each other. Like we saw each other maybe 10 minutes a day. And in those 10 minutes, we didn't want to talk about anything stressful or hard. And so we just were disconnecting from each other, right? And then the kicker was my grandmother, who was the apple of my eye. I loved my grandma. She was my safe person who... You know those people that just accept you always and make That's you feel grandpa. make you feel your best self always. Well, I got a call from my grandpa, and my grandpa is this big, rugged Alaska man, and he was crying on the phone. I could barely make out why he was crying, but he was crying because my grandmother had gone in for um, an elective surgery, and it was such a minor surgery they didn't even tell me she was going into the hospital. And after the surgery, she got blood clots, and they went to her heart and her brain and she died. She passed from the elective surgery and my world was rocked. All of those transitions, my coping skills couldn't keep up and I was already a type A personality. So when stress came into my life, I just put my nose to the grindstone and pushed through it, right? Yeah. When I had those overwhelming emotions, I just ignored them and was like, if I ignore them, they'll go away and they did. But this time it didn't work. And so I remember one night, I was sitting in the living room with my boyfriend and we were watching, of all things, the movie Rockstar. Have you ever watched that movie with Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden my heart started racing like really rapidly and my palms started to tingle and my arm went numb and my breath got shallow and I started sweating. And then my vision started like blurring at the edges going black. And I remember explaining everything to my boyfriend because I wanted him to know what was happening to me because I was convinced that he was going to have to tell the paramedics when he called them when I passed out. Now, I didn't pass out. I was not having a heart attack. It took a lot of tests and a lot of doctor visits and actually me suggesting it to go, could I be doing this to myself? Is this something that is not a physical thing it is an emotional physiological response to something that's happening in my life. And so I went to a therapist and 
She was amazing. She taught me coping techniques. She taught me how to identify triggers. I haven't had a, a basically what I had had was a stressed induced anxiety attack, a panic attack. And one out of every three people listening to this has experienced one of those. And I'm going to guess in the next few years, that number is going to go up, right? Because we just, we don't talk about it. I thought I was dying. It was just stress. And that is how powerful stress is, right? If you ignore it, if you don't learn to cope with it, if you don't learn management skills, it will kick you in the butt and make you. And that's when I was fascinated because stress is the only emotion and hormone that can change your life, right? It impacts your relationships. It impacts your health. It impacts your job. It can impact your physical body. And we still don't learn about it in school. We don't learn proper coping techniques. We just kind of tell each other, embrace it and figure it out. So that's why I got excited about stress. Um, Because I had that experience. And I thought I don't want anyone else to have to experience that level of stress before they start working and fixing this problem. So that's my goal is to make a world with a little bit less stress. And if we can't make a world, maybe we can just make a live stream video with less stress. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I think it's really interesting how in this pandemic, a lot of the people that have really held it together that just like you, you know, let's more stress. You just pile it on. I'll just stuff it down, whatever. I can handle everything. I am superwoman. I am strong. And I see a lot of people that I've reached out to that have reached out to me. And they're at this point where they're like in shambles, they're in tears, they're losing their shit at every turn because they've always been able to hold it together. They've always been able to hold it and be strong but now there's a point we all have just like you did we mm-hmm. all have this breaking point and i think it's happening more and more because we've had all this other outside stuff i mean we as human beings we're very adaptable mm-hmm. we will design a life that creates the smallest amount of stress possible it's like um somebody I know is, she has a lot of anxiety. She has a bunch of other problems, but she's created her life that she works in other people's homes when they're not there. She only works in the daytime. She's created this life that's very low stress, but anytime something knocks it off kilter a little bit, it sends her into crazy panic. And right now we have life and the world around us throwing everything into like way off kilter. And so all those little structures that we have unconsciously put in place because they make things flow a little bit smoother are all shaken up. Now, the plus side is that some people are finally this stuff is bubbling up and they're like, Hey, I need some help. I actually need some help. And that part is really good if they ask for the help. And it's really important that we all give everybody a little bit of grace if we can, 
knowing that everybody's stress levels are higher than usual right now mm -hmm. and being supportive if we can and doing what we can to take care of ourselves and reaching out to people like Carrie, people like myself and whatever other support you need to learn new techniques, to deal with stress, to move forward and create greater ease. Because here's the thing that when you start to be able to do that, the really cool part is that life can still keep throwing stuff at you, but when you can manage the stress and you can do it internally, you can keep your thoughts in check. You yeah. can know that you can practice your tools enough. And this is really key that you practice your tools enough that they become easy to grab when you're stressed. If you only practice them when you're everything's off the charts, it's really hard to like reach them when you're like in a panic mode. It's hard so, to change habit in crisis. Absolutely. That's, that's the succinct way of what I was trying to say. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, yeah. It's so hard. Like, yeah, I reiterate that reach out for help. If you need it, there are people who still have the, capacity and bandwidth to help you out. It is not a shameful thing. It is nothing to be embarrassed about, particularly now. You are not alone in these feelings of overwhelm that you're feeling. I promise you, you're not alone. And I would also say that in these times, self-care is of the utmost importance. One of the reasons stress is overwhelming is because circumstances are changing so rapidly, but also you hit it on the head, so many of us have coping mechanisms that we cannot use right now. If your coping mechanism was going to the gym, yep. there's so many places that you can't go to the gym right now. So what technique can you substitute for that? So self-care is incredibly important. Sleep is the number one thing. If you are not getting enough sleep, figure out if you can make a nighttime routine to help you fall asleep. Um, I will say that the studies have shown that 80, a full 80% of us need eight hours of sleep a night to function. And this is just a function. This is not to feel amazing. It's just a function. 10% can deal with less. 10% need more. If we were in a room and I asked everyone to raise their hands, I guarantee that at least 70% of us are getting less than eight hours of sleep a night. And what happens is you're, you're dealing, you're trying to run a race and you're starting a half a mile behind everyone else, right? Lack of, sleep, proper sleep impacts your metabolism, it impacts your decision making skills, it impacts your patience levels, it impacts your resilience. And resilience is what we all really need right now. And resilience is what we need with with dealing with stress as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, like you said, it impacts your metabolism, all of that stuff, stress and sleep. Mm -hmm. I find that or I have found since the pandemic has started that the slowing down has made me much more aware of when I need to take better care of myself. If I book too many clients in a day, 
I feel it taxed in my body, especially because a lot of the work I'm doing is healing work and some of it's healing trauma. And so it takes a lot out of me. And so I've really been able to hone in where my balance is as far as taking care of myself so that I can be there to support mm -hmm. others. And I think a lot of us are really learning those edges and it's incredibly important. It is. And I think that there are probably some people listening right now who don't feel like they have the privilege of balancing in that way. Think about this. If you're a single parent and you're working full time yeah. from home and you're teaching your kids and you're raising your kids and then you're also taking care of, you know, everything from cleaning the home to cooking the food, it doesn't feel like you can pause. Totally. Right? Totally. My, yeah. And so there's that realization that people are going to object to this. It is okay if a ball gets dropped here and there. Your self-care is more important than a clean house. Totally. In the long run, it is absolutely more important. There's a reason why on planes, they say in case of emergency, put your own mask on before putting those, you know, the mask of the loved one next to you on. It's because you can't help other people if you are the person that needs the help. Right. Right. And there's a couple of things here is that dropping the ball is okay. That need to be perfect. There's one thing I think because everything's been so messy. I think I could be wrong, but I feel like there is more permission out there to mess it up. Like we see, we see that, I think I just saw in the news a week or two ago of that lawyer that was on a Zoom meeting and it was a cat, he was a cat yeah. and he couldn't figure out how to get it undone. And I think there is a little more grace for making mistakes right now because everybody was forced into doing a lot of technology they weren't used to. Um, like you said, the parents having to deal with the kids and school and working from home and still trying to keep the house or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. all of that stuff, I think, and this is my hope, is that that little bit of grace that we've been giving people for the technological snafus or their video not being perfect or whatever it is, I really hope that that continues and actually grows as time that there becomes a greater acceptance of, hey, we can be real and it's okay to mess up sometimes. And this is how we learn. This is how we grow. And yeah. Yeah. You, it's funny because you say grace and the word I hear in my head is empathy, right? Yeah. Show a little empathy to ourselves. Show a little empathy to the person next to you. And also I think it's really important in these times to assume the best intent for everyone. If you have a chance to assume a malicious intent or to assume the best intent, which is going to be better for you in terms of your stress exactly. levels? Exactly. Right? And and if we can just all do that for each other, I think that that would ratchet down the stress level for everyone a little bit. Assume yeah. the best intentions. And, and for the, yourself, and too. Absolutely. And the intentions, and here's the thing that I've learned there is always a good intention behind every action. It doesn't even matter if it's a really, I mean, unless you're a sociopath or something, but for generally, most of us are not sociopaths. 
maybe, hopefully not. Um, <laughs> but statistically, everything, no. Everything we do is it has a positive intention behind it. If I lied about something, it's because I didn't want to create the uncomfortable feelings or I didn't want you to feel bad or whatever it is. It may not have created the consequences that I desired, but the intention behind what people do is generally a positive intention. So allowing that empathy of just, and being able to ask questions without jumping down people's throat, I think is also a powerful way to create less stress for yourself and less stress for the people around you. So for many of my clients right now, one of the things that's causing stress is politics, right? Mm -hmm. It's a stressful thing. Uh, and just having a conversation about it is stressful. And the thing that we can all remember is even if somebody has complete opposite beliefs as you, what we can do to have empathy, which is really tough to ask in this time, is just recognize that they're living their values as best they can. Their values may be very different than your values, but they still have values and they're living them as best they can. And once you can acknowledge that, for me, it takes a little bit of the edge off. I can go, oh, okay, that's why they're making that choice. I get why they would make that choice for them. I still don't have to agree with it. I still don't have to embrace right. it. But it makes it feel less threatening and stressful for me to understand where that choice is coming from for them. Yeah. I mean, that's a big key, too, when you're talking about these really, like, hitting conversations mm -hmm. is when you break it down to what is the value. So, like, sometimes the value might be compassion versus freedom. And so if you break down whatever the issue is to compassion versus freedom, you can look at the other person. I can understand and respect that freedom is very important to you. I the Almost everybody can understand that compassion is very important to somebody. And they might not be on the same scale, but there is a greater understanding when you understand what the value is behind the thing. There's, there's always going to be a this issue or that issue. It's going to push against somebody's this value or that value. But when you break, when you distill down whatever the issue is to the thing that's the value for each person, it becomes a lot easier to be accepting that it's different for the other person. Okay, freedom is really important to you. I get that. It's important to me, but not as important as compassion. Yeah. There you go. And and that changes the conversation. Totally. I mean, the other thing is, let's be clear, if there are certain triggers that just stress you out, guys, avoid those triggers if you can. Turn them off. If you have a family member that every time you have a conversation, you're at odds and you're stressed, you don't have to talk to them three times a week. Talk totally. to them a little less, right? There's another technique that I wanted to share that I loved, and it goes back to when we were talking about kind of shifting that, the story you tell yourself. Have you ever used a stop technique? The stop technique? Yeah. It is this. Nope. It's the second simplest technique in the world after box breathing. I'm giving you <laughs> guys right. the easy ones so you can just take them on your own and use them. Yeah. So the stop them. technique 
S stands for stop. So when you're feeling stressed, stop. The T stands for take a deep breath, right? And that's to help you relax and get grounded in the moment and release the tension in your muscles and increase your oxygen levels, right? The O stands for observe. When I say observe, I want you to think about what it is you're feeling. See if you can identify the trigger, identify the thought that you had, right? And just sit with the emotion for just a minute. You keep saying 90 seconds, right? Because if it stays for longer than 90 seconds, you're telling yourself a story that encourages that emotion to stay. So observe, just sit with it for about 90 seconds. And then once you've observed and you understand what the trigger was, what the emotions are, I want you to choose how you want to proceed because the P stands for proceed, right? And this is just a reminder that it's not overwhelming. Even when you feel like you don't have a choice, there's still a choice to be made. And sometimes just recognizing that is enough to reduce the stress, enough to move yeah. forward. Yeah, it's so similar to the one I do that's, um, it's like the three A's, but the front end of it is to feel your feet. So that moment of bringing your consciousness from your head down to your feet kind of mm -hmm. drops you into your body. And it, that in itself begins to soften the thoughts. And then you name the emotion out loud. So if you're feeling stressed, well, what is beyond stressed? What is it? Is it fear? Is it sadness? Is it what is it? And then so you name or you acknowledge the emotion. So I feel fear. And then you do the um, the accept. It's okay that I feel fear. It's okay that I feel fear. I accept that I feel fear. And then you just let it ride through because the emotions got to move through. So that is the allowing. And then, you know, after 90 seconds, if you got to ask, is, is it the story? Are you feeding it a story? Are you putting mm -hmm. gasoline on it? Right. Oh, so, yeah. Stop is good. I like that. I it's like so stop similar. you could do it wherever you are. You yeah. can do it 50 times a day. And in the beginning, you should. If you're yeah. triggered 50 times and you're you're high stress and you're trying to work on it, then do this 50 times. And then the well, next day, it might be 40 times. And the next day, yeah. 30 times. And because, do it when you're not stressed too. Mm -hmm. Because it creates that practice. You're running that neural pathway. You're creating the new habit. And like we said earlier, when you are, it's hard to reach for the tools when they're new tools, when you're in a high state of stress. So creating those habits, even when you're not stressed, yeah. being able to pay attention to what you're feeling and yeah, it's good. I love tips that you can do in a room full of people and no one has any idea that you're doing totally. them. Right. Because yeah. so many of us don't want to leave the room and say, excuse me, I need five minutes. Right. right. So, well, and especially when we're talking about stress, a big stress that people have is, are people looking at me? Am mm -hmm. I going to look weird? And, you know, that's such a really normal thing. So yeah, the breathing, the just stopping and running through a simple technique and letting stuff shift and move. I mean, it is, it's the chemical reactions in the body. And you get to allow them to move through and shift your state, which is incredibly powerful.
Um, before we're incredibly powerful people. We are. We just don't always before, remember that. It's true. Before we talk about the different things you have to offer and I have to offer, what maybe let's spend a minute or two on what shifts once you can manage stress. What does that open up for people? Freedom, mostly, right? And a lot more energy because we spend a lot of time and energy on stress, managing stress, trying to avoid it in the future, trying to fix it in the past. It is exhausting. So that's the first thing I think you get back is some freedom and some energy. The only, when I, my belief is the two most important things in life right now are time and health. And energy is health, right? Yep. So reducing stress gives you back time and it gives you back health. Some yeah. people say money, but what do you make money with? With your time and your health. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I like to think of all all that stuff as as energy. So if we think about money, if we think about it as energy, if we think about time as energy and is whatever your action is, are you using it to create more energy or are you just dumping energy out on the sidewalk? Or maybe if you're taking a class or something, then maybe that's that would be generator energy. Like it's taking energy right now, but it's going to generate energy for the future. And mm -hmm. so if we start to look at everything we do and, you know, is this conversation with this family member stressing me out? Is this taking energy that I'm just dumping out? Is it building energy? Is it um, generating energy for the future? And if it's just yeah. dumping stuff out on the sidewalk, then is that worth it? Is it, you know, putting on your oxygen mask first, taking care of yourself first, making sure your energy well, whether it's like all the things that create energy, filling that up. And when that is full and ready to overflow, I mean, it feels like a joy to give your energy at that point. It feels right. so good. So that's the shift, right? The shift is once your stress is managed, you shift from just surviving to thriving. And that's where all the beautiful, exciting, fun stuff happens. That's where you're building businesses or creating connections or saving the world, whatever it is you want to do. But if you're busy spending all your time and energy on stress, you don't get to spend all your time and energy on your purpose and your values and what fulfills you. Yep. So it's true. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I mean, that's the thing. When we get to start creating the stuff that we really want to do in our life, when we get to live our purpose and we get to step in that, if you're in a job that doesn't fit, feed you, doesn't fill you up, if it's taking energy, if it's taking so much more than what it's giving, then we are just taxing our bodies and as you say moving forward when you learn how to shift and manage and self-care and you determine what's important to you and you get to move forward you get to create so much of the stuff that you dream about 
that sometimes you don't even let yourself dream about. But yeah, moving out of survival into thriving is mm -hmm. so powerful. Yeah, and if you so need a better image, think about this. Stress is literally taking your time and energy and pouring it down a drain. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're doing. Exactly. So. It's like, yeah. All right, so... Carrie, why don't you tell us a bit about what you have to offer? I know you have a 28-day stress workshop coming up. I do. So, so I have a lot of offers for anyone listening, and I have offers at varying levels. Um, for those of you who just want a community, I have a Facebook page called Less Stress, Strive for Success. It is a free community. Just go on there, find us, and join. Um, I also have a 28 day online less stress challenge. It's starting the next one starting March 15th. And with that challenge for 28 days, you will get an email from me every day. And also it will be posted in the Facebook group for that group. Um, tips and techniques for reducing stress exercises to help you really understand what your triggers are and how to respond to them and react to them. The goal is to actively reduce your stress in that 28 days. And in our first one, the folks that participated for the full 28 days self-reported a 54% decrease in stress in 28 days, you guys. Wow. And that is not very expensive. I just want you to know that that whole entire challenge is $97. Completely worth yeah. it. Um, totally. If anyone is interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, you can go to rainshadowcoaching.com slash book dash ace dash session. And we can have a strategy session conversation to see what it would look like to work together. See if what you want help with is something that I can help with and see if we're the right fit for each other. Because if I am not the right fit, I know many other amazing coaches and I'm happy to help yeah. you find the right fit. You know, I just am an advocate for working with great coaches. I think a great coach can help anyone's life. Totally. And it's so important. I think um, the right fit is incredibly powerful. And I love that that's important to you. And that's one of the reasons why I initially started reaching out to different coaches to do just to connect. So if somebody's not the right fit for me, some people are like, I don't want to talk about my subconscious mind. I'm scared to find out what's in there. Right. <laughs> and if that's the case, then I have resources and people I can recommend. Is that the right word? Um, but yeah, that right fit is really important. And I dropped all of the links, my links and Carrie's links in the comments. So hopefully those show up on all the pages. <laughs> there you go. There's no wrong way to reach out to me. If you reach out, eventually we will get connected. Right. So if you have questions or concerns or you're curious about something or you have a group that needs a speaker to talk about stress or goal setting, um, please reach out because if I can help you reduce your stress, if I can help you feel minutely more fulfilled or more productive or less overwhelmed, that's the point of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, you guys know that I work a lot with the subconscious mind. And one of the things, one of the ways that I specifically really help with stress is that 
I heal and transform those initial triggers. So when you have those trigger points and I get to work with you to neutralize the emotional content of that, what that means for you is that it shifts the amount of stress that comes up around something that looks similar, has like a similar sort of feel and creates a trigger. Because usually when we feel triggered, when we feel like crazy, it's usually because there's some internal emotional time in our life where something, a similar feeling came up and we were overwhelmed and we didn't have the emotional capacity at the time, which often is when we're very little, to manage and move those emotions through. We've talked a lot about that today, moving the emotions through. And we, you know, when we're four years old and you get lost in a grocery store from your parents, that is an incredibly overwhelming thing. And then if a few other instances that look just a little bit similar to that, like people disappear or you feel lost, then you've started to create that neural pathway. You've started to create that trigger. And so the work I do along with coaching is we work with the subconscious mind to transform that stuff. And yeah. And then I'm also doing illumination sessions, which are sessions where we can tap into that inner knowing part of you, the part of you that knows best, that knows you better than anybody else that can identify what's getting in your way better than your conscious mind can. Um, that what path is the best for you, because we all can give you all the advice in the world, but sometimes what works for somebody is not going to work for somebody else. And sometimes when we tap into the subconscious mind, it actually not only holds the information to those triggers that we get to heal, but it also holds a lot of the magic that's within us that tells us and reminds us of how incredibly powerful we as humans are and what we're capable of. And there's something incredibly powerful when it comes from inside of you, because you know that it's the truth versus somebody else that may not be in your head, that may not know all your experiences. And there's something incredibly powerful about that as well. So yeah. you guys, oh, I didn't put my info up here, but <laughs> you guys can reach out to me, jeneabarnes-elevate.com. You can email me. You can reach out to me on Facebook, whatever's best for you. I'm responsive unless you're really, really mean. But then again, I've got to assume that that's coming from, for, from a positive intention. So I'll probably still reach out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you so much. This is I, I want to say it's a joy to talk about stress, which seems like an oxymoron, but I'm just excited to anywhere we can share this to get people hearing it, to get people to hear the message that what you're feeling is absolutely valid and okay. And also you don't have to keep feeling it. And that's the perfect note to end this today. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you next time. <laughs>